Hello there and welcome to episode 89 of Right Where You're Sitting Now, the podcast for the site sittingnow.co.uk. Uh, you can find us on socials at Sitting Now and on TikTok even now at Sitting Now Official, I think it is. So yeah, this week we are talking to someone I've been looking forward to talking to a lot actually. His name is Juan Ayala. I think I may have just mangled his name there, but uh, you may know him from the one-on-one podcast. He is a really interesting guy. He's, uh, he makes amazing podcasts um on youtube mainly i think i think you can get audio versions of them probably as well but uh, i always watch them on youtube and um yeah he's a a homunculus expert an alchemical concept (laughs) it's quite an obscure one as well and i like i kind of love that it's great so we're going to talk today about a whole variety of stuff actually um about occultism about crowley about Kenneth Grant about homunculus, obviously, um, you know, Paracelsian stuff and Middle Eastern stuff and uh, even uh, giant donkey penises at one point. Yeah, I think it's probably best if you uh, enjoy the interview rather than hearing me trying to describe it to you. So uh, here it is. And uh, let's go over to that right now. Juan Ayala, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, could you give us a brief biography of yourself, please? Yeah, thank you for the invite. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited. And to be honest, I'm not I'm not that interesting. I am a husband, father, researcher, podcast host of the One on One podcast. And really, I have always had a thing for for history. I've always had a thing for questioning the mainstream narrative. And that's how I'm here. I mean, I, I'm not an, I, I have been referred to as an armchair occultist for some times. And I get a lot of slack for that, right? Because a lot of the topics that I cover, some of the stuff like alchemy, you have the practical alchemy, right? And then you have the, the psychological aspect of it. So I'm not an occultist or an alchemist or anything. I'm just a regular guy trying to figure out the secrets of reality one step at a time that's the way to do it that's the way to do it um so yeah I've, i first heard about you i was I, i've been sort of obsessing over pre-islamic mythology and i came up um on this idea of the well i, I sort of i was researching and found this idea of the taquin have you heard of the taquin before yeah yeah so yeah. this is kind of like the middle eastern homunculus isn't it it's the um and yeah so i was i was doing some research on that and um for i wonder if there's any youtube videos about homunculus that'd be there's no way <laughs> there's going to be any videos about it and then i found you I was like, jesus this guy's done loads <laughs> so yeah. yeah it's kind of interesting but one thing i've noticed from your because i've watched a lot of your shows now um tons of them actually but um you seem to have a sort of aversion to occultists <laughs> a little bit mm-hmm. certain occultists anyway often like the word evil comes after occultist in your show and i was just wondering why why that is 
So it's my upbringing. A lot of people don't know I was raised Pentecostal Christian. I don't Not a lot of people really know that, but it's my Christian upbringing. I was raised in a religious household and I've stated it before, at least the occultists that I consider evil, right? The main ones that we all know about Crowley being one of the more infamous ones. But then you have guys like John D, which to them, that wasn't evil, right? They were practicing Christian magic. It, to them, it was good, right? They were, they, they were just advancing science. It was science at the time. But the reason I say that is mostly because of the indoctrination, right? I'll be honest. And I, I'm not a practicing Christian. I do consider myself Christian, but I don't, I'm not the best Christian, okay? I'm, as far as the beliefs go, I do believe in a central deity, the source, right? The one more of it i'm more of an emanationist maybe right where it's the source and out of that then reality comes from that but i believe that magic or whatever this thing is the force if you will it's just like star wars i mean these movies they have some truth in them and they use occult principles to show us right to to de-occult now but they're not coming out and just saying it but i think that the magic with a k or a c whichever one you prefer I think it's like the force. You can tap into it and you can manipulate these energies to use it for good or for evil. It just so happens, like me and you were chatting, that a lot of stuff that we sometimes do focus on is the more darker aspects. Because in my opinion, I, that's the stuff that I find the most interesting. Yeah. Like we all, we all have like a morbid curiosity, right? When it comes to a lot of these things. Hence, where the homunculus comes from, which is a really interesting topic because alchemy in general, I call it an interdimensional topic where it relates to quite literally everything. I mean, you can, it's interdimensional, it's psychological, it's biological, it's whatever you want it to be. And the more I look into it, the less I actually know what it's truly about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing I've noticed on your show, um, obviously I come from, I used to be a member of, you know, full disclosure, I used to be a member of the OTO and um, I used to be big into Crowley. I'm sort of not as big into Crowley as I once was, but um, but you seem to really dislike him. And I'm, I was just wondering, because like every time you mention him, it's always like, Crowley, fuck that guy afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, was yeah. Only, I mean, I have some problems with him as well, but I was just wondering, just out of interest, because I always find it interesting kind of gauging other people's kind of opinions on him and, and their reasons for disliking him in some cases. So firstly and foremost, the, the reason that I hate him is is because, again, I've... I've done deeper research than the regular person. I mean, I would consider myself more of a deeper researcher, right? Really going down these dark rabbit holes that you find yourself in. And when you stumble across his more grotesque work, not like the stuff that, that we all know, like the book of the law, or I'm talking about the stuff where the poems, right? I think it's white stains and I forgot what the name of the other one is, but there's just such nasty stuff in there. And here's what bothers me, and I'm sure I'm going to get some slack for it, but you have people who are, they love Crowley. They, they're they adamant about him. They 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 worship him, right? Some people would even go, they'll, they'll defend him too. I mean, I have a buddy of mine with a bookstore, and whenever he stalks Crowley, it's gone in a day. Like there's still people who are big fanatics of him. Now, when it gets into the, right, the, the child sacrifice, like the whole, the firstborn son is the, is the greatest sacrifice that you can ever offer. Right. Some people are, Oh, it's symbolic. It's all, oh, it's all symbolic. 
but they take everything else at face value. So that's where it's like, what do you, so is the rest of it symbolic or was it just that one piece since it sounds so dark? And now I think that Crowley, I wouldn't put it past him if they were doing these things behind the scenes, like the story Moonchild, right? When you read that, I believe that that story was actually trying to be done. It was an actual thing. And he just occulted it as a story I mean, in order Parsons, to put it out. Parsons obviously took it at face value, didn't he? And, uh, you oh, know, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I think one of the problems with Crowley, I find, especially, um, you know, with the more kind of conspiracy kind of stuff I listen to is there seems to be a lot of people that kind of misinterpret what he says. And like you're saying, there's the symbology thing. But then there's also a lot of like, People just don't bother actually looking at the source material a lot of the time. So, I, you know, the classic example is um, lamb. You know, people think that lamb is something to do with, you know, for people that don't know what I'm talking about, or maybe I'll flash it up on screen in the edit. But um, it's like a drawing that Crowley did uh, that looks a bit like a grey alien. And, and people, for some reason, always associate it with this thing called the Alamantra working. But they're, they're two completely separate things. But the amount of times I see those two things, like, you know, um, really, because I thought during that working was when he encountered Lamb. No, no, no. Lamb, um, it's Lamb appears in like a, there's a in the Equinox, which is one of Crowley's, you know, long, voluminous kind of journal things that he put out. Mm -hmm. um, he publishes an essay by Blavatsky. Um, actually, I've got it here, weirdly. Uh, what's it called? Um, anyway, uh, yeah, the voice in the voice of the silence. Um, with a commentary by Crowley, and in that he actually puts the you know the picture you know of Lamb. But the mm -hmm. thing that always gets missed out is underneath the picture of Lamb, to the like left hand side, there's a little Hebrew symbol, um, which is always taken out. And it basically what it means is it's like um, you know seeker of truth or like um, like Lama essentially. Um, mm -hmm. so, but I've never understood where the Alamantra kind of connection comes from. But it's there's two totally different things. It's it's really bizarre. But I think it's maybe because it's convenient to you know there's this grey alien looking thing and the Alamantra working to this kind of cosmic kind of ritual that Crowley did in in America. And I don't know. I just th it's weird that the two things get conflated. I don't know why that happens, but it's really so. Strange. I've been the way I understood it was right. The Amalantra workings are an extensive set of workings over a set of amount of months. Mm -hmm. And the reason I know about it is actually last night I was reading Beyond the Mob Zone because I'm getting ready to ah. talk some more Grant. There's, there's the other it, reason it, this might have happened, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> it's, in, it's in there where supposedly, allegedly, when he well, he talks about Iowas, I believe it was, and the Cairo workings when he came across in Cairo, Iowas supposedly it happened on april fools like april 1st and he always told everybody it happened on april 18 418 right so again so there's this even crowley kind of you know but the way i've understood it was part of that amalantra or Alamont, i always say it wrong those workings which was in new york i think 1916 or 1917 he came across this entity and the reason i know about it is because i did a an occult 420 show right, with Chris Bennett's work, where he also, I believe, talks about how they were using hashish, I think it was, during those rituals. Again, an altered state of consciousness, state of mind, in order to bring these things forth. Now, the lamb has always been a, so, I mean, nowadays you have the UFO, which are UAP, that's real hot. And according, according to Grant, right, 1947, when, when Crowley died, the new 
UFO age came into existence, right? So almost like they were taking credit for opening up this rift in space and time to let a lamb. Then you have Grant talking about how the first interpretation of them, the first drawing had a crown. Now you're telling me it had a little symbol next to it. Like, yeah, I don't know, man, but it's, it's weird. For some reason, Grant interprets things a little bit. He's, I, I almost seem like he, he almost like remixes Crowley a little bit. <laughs> so, he, so he adds it, um, makes him a bit more kind of, um, he adds a bit of art, artistry to Crowley's actual life. Um, the good thing about Crowley, I suppose, is that he's so well documented. Like he, he wrote a magical yeah. diary. All the diaries are, you know, you, you, they're all mm-hmm. like places like the Warburg Institute. You can actually go and read them and sort of, um, but yeah, Grant, Grant, he, he had a very active imagination. <laughs> I think, well, when it comes and, to- and even reading Grant, like I'll be, I struggle sometimes because he's just sometimes all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Like he'll be talking about, you know, and this and this, and that is why number 49 is whatever related. I'm like, dude, where'd you even, <laughs> well, he came out of left field, almost like very schizo, like just like a whole bunch of ideas. But I think that's part of the, the artist type yeah right? the the this artist that were where they're real kooky i mean we have to be kooky to be into the stuff that we're into bro <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think grant i mean grant's become really popular recently it's really strange because he was always like mocked you know for the longest time like you could barely find his books anywhere he was always out print um you know like mainstream thalamites still to this day a lot of them you know um, mock him openly they think he's a complete joke but because of the he's plays a bit fast and loose with the the facts and and with just general history as well he's uh yeah but yeah. um but i think he kind of appeals to that kind of artist you know like incorporating lovecraft in and things like that i think he's really using the artistic side of the occult and i think that's really what's resonating with people at the moment it seems to be like this you know this renaissance of grant it's really cool because i i love reading grant i find it, you know he's fascinating and all that i you know, haven't read i haven't read a lot of his work I've only read the dark side of Eden and then, or the night side of Eden, I'm sorry. And then beyond the mob zone again, my, my knowledge on him is very limited. I know just right. The superficial stuff and I'm now diving deeper. And another thing about Crowley is I forgot what my friend called it. Mario from symbolic studies, shout out to him. He called it where Crowley, the way, I don't know if you've ever heard of Vincent Bridges before you ever heard of Vincent Bridges. Rings a bell. I can't think why. He he did a lot of work on Edward Kelly, and he did a, he was an occultist as well. And he talks about Crowley, and I, and he words it in a way to where, because I've I've heard this as well, where the work of Crowley, the reason it puts some people off is it's so grotesque. And I've I don't usually read something that doesn't make me sick to my stomach. And when I read some of, obviously some of the, the more ridiculous stuff of Crowley makes me sick to my stomach. Like it makes me like, the, it, there's an actual biological reaction. And I think that's what's important about that because reading those words and I, right. I think that books and literature in general is a type of device, magical device too, to invoke change in people, invoke change in reality itself. And I think by him putting these words together in a certain way is doing alchemy, right? Because you have the manipulation of symbols metaphysically and, and literally. And it's a sort of way to initiate you as well and in the works that you're about to do, right? Almost like to disassociate you in some sort of mental way if you can endure what you're reading. And I forgot what Mario called. They called it like, 
something ology and it was like absurd something or it's on one of my episodes that I did one time, but he called it something. And Vincent Bridges, when he talks about, he calls him uncle, uncle Al or something like yeah, that. Uncle Al, when, he talk, <laughs> when he calls it, when he's talking about, it, he's talking, it's like, well, there's a lot of foolery, foolishness in there. Right. Cause like the, the tarot card, the fool is, is actually very wise and, and he's only a fool to those who don't understand him. Right. So you have that aspect of it and it's there to, right. You have to get through all the BS in order to find the truth. If you're willing to sustain the BS, right. Like yeah, the, yeah. the endure the whole process. Yeah. The ordeal It's kind of, we were talking about that in our last episode, actually. Um, the ordeal is like a, it's a massive part of like initiation and, and um, you know, magic in general, really. If you, if you're not willing to kind of, you know, go through the ordeal then you're not gonna you know get the prize at the end you know it's it's all it's all kind of i i think that's the same with alchemy as well isn't it it's uh it's you know there's definitely an yeah. ordeal in there i mean <laughs> some of the shit i've read about alchemists like consuming mercury <laughs> and you know all sorts of like crazy shit but yeah it's uh but yeah do you think one thing i've noticed recently especially which i think is a really good thing is that the occult kind of communities are actually opening up and like allowing high strangeness in now whereas before the occult used to try and be this super serious academic kind of no we're just like science kind of you know uh uh kind of thing but now it feels like you know things like cryptids and ufos and there's like a crossover happening um and i think that's partly to do with the internet and the younger generation coming in which is cool because uh, i think the occult needs to constantly evolve and constantly uh, this that's one thing that really gets in my tits it's like people that you know, like Crowley types, especially like um, they're the only, you know, his word is the end, you know, that's it. That's the occult. You know, there's no, you know, no adaptation, but they forget that he took the Golden Dawn system and changed it, you know, so it's like, we shouldn't we be moving past him now and coming up with new, you know, new ways of accessing these kind of these powers mm -hmm. this force, as you were saying earlier on, but uh, I don't know, what do you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I think that it's all cut from the same cloth, right? The paranormal. And what I think is happening is that, right, I, I'm in the opinion that there is a an occulted world, right? An occultist Monday, an entire autonomous world. Now, if you want to call that the Mundus Imaginalis, which is the imagination, the collective, whatever it is, you can. But I do believe that there's a, a realities overlaid on top of one another. And I think that things are able to bleed through, come through, right? And I think that you're also able to open up portals or whatever it is through the use of these occult sciences. And I completely agree with you. I, I do think that magical systems are meant to be ad adapted, right? Chaos magic. Chaos magic, you can, you can do whatever, right? Leave all the ceremony and all the other BS out and do your own thing, which that's the more, that's the powerful part about that. And that's also the dangerous part about that because think about, all the things that you're doing on the on a daily basis where you're being subjected to how what's his name michael hoffman talks about right in, in twilight language where the the regular people the regular population is more initiated than the actual people in secret societies because of the things that we're being exposed to like i had an email one time where the person writes to me and they go hey i want to try out the the monroe tapes yeah yeah but i'm that's, afraid that's, of just been doing this. i'm afraid of opening myself up you know what do you what are your thoughts and i go listen dude you, you can open up yourself up 
scrolling through Instagram to mm-hmm. something that you don't want to, or watching a movie or something, you know, and watching Netflix or whatever it is, you know, I wouldn't worry about opening yourself up to something through these tapes, right? Although these tapes, they do have, I've tried them yeah. and they do have some sort of effect. They're kind but, of astral travel, um, yes. kind of machines, yeah. essential technology, basically. They work really mm-hmm. well. <laughs> so. and, and, and that's the thing. So I, I think that we're dealing with a sort of technology and you're able to tap into it through your desire, right? You can tap into the, right, let's use the internet, which I've done the the occult origins of technology. And it usually seems that tech is a way of alchemically putting together a dev, right to tap into whatever it is, right? So you're taking this occult tech and then just turning it into something that you can hold, right? Something physical and not metaphysical. And so I think that with the cryptids and the paranormal and everyone kind of sort of merging, I think it's all the same thing. And it's just, we all have, we're all looking at it from different perspectives. And that's the only thing that changes our perspective from it. So yeah, you're saying you're more into the occult stuff. I'm into the conspiracy, whatever. I mean, there's no, there's none of those left anymore, but more into the conspiracy realm of things. And you have people who are into the paranormal, but then even within those communities, there's divide. And like, how do you expect us to come together if they don't even in their own community agree on things similar to the conspiracy and similar to the occult, right? And now with the, I think the, the more information there is available, people are starting to realize like, yo, we might be all talking about the same thing. And again, people are pointing it out. I've gone on plenty paranormal podcasts talking about it. And really, it's just a different point of view. And I think it's all the same thing, dude. I think it's it's all we're, we're tapping into something or or where we're manifesting it. Who knows? It's definitely I mean, that was kind of Grant's thing, wasn't it? He was kind of convinced that um, mm-hmm. like these paranormal, this kind of paranormal crossover with the occult is like and Alan Greenfield's another really good example. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts before, which is like he's kind of i've heard about it but i haven't read it it's kind of this ultra terrestrial thing where you know a cult ritual can kind of um influence the paranormal essentially you know like you can can kind of make ufos appear doing certain rituals and stuff so like you say it's all kind of this crazy interconnected thing really but um it's just only now people seem to really actually getting a grip on that which is interesting it's taken so long Mm -hmm. but uh anyway homunculus um Mm -hmm. i i'm i've been you know interested in alchemy and the occult for a long time but homunculus is one of those subjects it's like i spot it every now and then but i don't really know a great deal about it and so i thought well bring the bring the man on himself the homunculus uh expert and uh you could tell us all about um the homunculus how so how did you actually like how, how did it happen how did you become interested in in the homunculus so you know, it's it's funny because I don't know if I'm proud of that or not, but I actually came across it while doing some research on Manly P. Hall. I was reading some Manly P. Hall, his journals from, I want to say 19, it was the, I forgot what journal it was. Anyways, he had uh, this this set of journals, like little zines, right? And in and, and there he would have different articles. The and I came across or something like that? No, so there is the, the all-seeing eye. All-seeing eye, that's it, yeah horizons and then there was one more i forgot the other one and he published he published us from the early 1920s to almost to the 90s i believe it was like he published for a long time and i came across the story of uh johan von kufstein which was this this freemason who who holds the world record for the largest homunculi ever in existence you can look it up on their website largest homunculus 
and his name is going to come up. And I think I believe it was from the 18th or, or 17th century. And I didn't think anything of it. So I had Googled his name right after I was done doing my research on Manly P. Hall. And I had this obscure book come up, the Liber Vecchi, which is a ninth century grimoire, right? For those, a grimoire is a, a book on magical recipes, essentially. And again, that morbid curiosity, it was so grotesque what I was reading that I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> like, this is this is so bizarre. Like, and that's the thing about alchemy where they shroud these things in so with with magic, right? I'm not a practicing occultist. I think that art is the occult. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you're putting out content that we're creating, if you want to take the aspect that we are the philosopher's stone and taking lead, right? This material, interpreting and putting out the content gold, right? And we're alchemists. We're transmuting people's ideas real time right now on air as they're listening to this. Okay, it's, a, it's an alchemical process. Existence is alchemical. And when you take that idea and you go, okay, this is this is really interesting. Now, my whole thing with the symbolism is that you wonder, I often wonder all these symbols that they're using, if they were actually full of crap or not these occult the, the occultists or alchemists right and all right back to the whole occult thing what if these dudes like crowley and all them were trolling people and there wasn't really anything on the other because that's the other side of me right the nihilistic none of this exists but then why is it in history why were these alchemists writing drawing doing all these things that they were doing if there wasn't some aspect of reality and to over it. such a really long period of time as well. That's the crazy thing. That's what yeah. gets me, bro. Yeah. So I'm reading about this creation of, you know, those irrational and rational animals and I'm reading it and I go, okay, it's alchemical. Maybe it's symbolic, but what a weird what weird symbolism to use as, as far as the homunculus Libra vacate goes, what weird symbolism. And as of recently, my, one of my co-hosts, we, we just covered the Libra vacate because I did a, I did a collaboration with mine unveiled where he did a whole 10 hour documentary oh, on the homunculus. I'm about halfway through that at the moment. <laughs> it's epic, isn't it? Yeah. He, he really, you know, when he goes in, he, he goes in, he's a great researcher and we translated books and, and everything text, right. To get the actual account for ourselves and not depend on right. Secondhand sources, whatever it is. So we're taking these Latin texts, German texts, and we're translating rough translations, but we're still getting the gist of what's being said. Now, my, one of my co-hosts, Paranoid American, he talked about how, what if, if the homunculus was more of a, memory device right more of an uh, something used to refer to other things so again occulting the actual material that's being used but again what bizarre symbolism to use and so i'm you know again all my i'm a researcher i'm not coming at it from any point of view Right, I interpret things. I come up with my own opinions, but usually when I'm reading the works, I try to I try to be un unbiased as I can, except when it comes to Crowley, right? But I'm reading it and I go, okay. We have the, you know the three levels of interpretation. You have the the actual physical. People are going to take this for face value. You have the symbolic interpretation, right? And then you have the actual what it actually was. It could it could have been neither of those, right? They, they could have been on their own thing, like completely separate. 
right? There's always three parts to a story. So when I'm reading these things, I go, okay, this is really interesting. But the problem with the occult and alchemy and all these different things is when you're interpreting it, right? And and, and I read this and I forgot what Rosicrucian book I read this in, but they said something really interesting where they said, when you're reading these texts to the initiated, it says one thing. To the uninitiated, it says another. So when you have two separate people looking at the one work, they're getting two different interpretations of it. But here's the problem. Let's say that the keys to that text were lost, Libra Vacay, right? And how to make, create a homunculus or a moon child or whatever it is that you want to call it. The regular layman guy that stumbled across this like me is going to try and make a homunculus, right? The Florida man is going to try and make a homunculus. And he's going to take everything at face value that it says in that text. And that's the dangerous part about the occult. Cause when you guys got, when you got guys like Crowley talking about, no, you have, you have to sacrifice your firstborn child. That's the most powerful offering that you can. The initiate. Oh, that's just the seed, right? You sacrifice your seed. The layman guy's like, no, 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 no. I got to take it a step above. I got to, I got to take it above and beyond. So I'm going to do whatever he says. Cause you know, this is the, this, this was the guy, this was the, the main guy. This guy was, was, you know, living it. He was, he was the top dog. Right. And that's the dangerous part about it. So when I'm reading these texts and I'm looking at these plates and I'm, and I'm translating things and I'm looking, I go, there's gotta be something here. Or was it all just BS? Was it all just LARPing? Was it all just make believe role-playing and the people who were in on it, they were in on it. And those who stay from the outside, they're looking in, they're going, okay, these guys are insane. Or were they? Cause I mean, I like the interpretation. Some people have explained to me the occult. You're not bringing forth a change. You're not doing anything. You're putting yourself in a state of mind to believe that you've brought forth a change. Then you have like the Jungian alchemical aspect of it. you're preparing your mind to bring forth that change. So, so which is it? Are you actually causing a change in reality or are you just making yourself believe that you cause a change in reality? That's the big question, isn't it? I mean, that's the question with all magic, really. It's, um, you know, I've seen things from doing magic that I can't explain, but they could be explained away as being in my head, I suppose. But they didn't feel like that. <laughs> um, and then obviously, like, Laurent Malo Duquette always says, you know, um, it's all in your head. You just have no idea how big your head is. Um, I think that's a really good, <laughs> a really good quote. But right, Lamb, right? The big head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. He's back again. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, it's um, that is kind of, I guess that's one of the, the great questions of the of magic and the occult, really, isn't it? Is, is it in your head? I think. The, I, th I think it's a little bit of both because, right, when somebody, for example, when somebody has a, a paranormal cryptid experience, right, it gets in, into the phenomena, uh, phenomenology of it, right, the, that approach where to that person, regardless of what you tell him, that person experienced that. It was real to them. Who are you to take that away from them? So therefore, if you are doing these practices, and what I meant to say earlier about being a content creator, when people interact with your work, I've had the experience, I don't know if you have, where... I have like way more synchronicities that happen. And I, and to me, synchronicities are like breadcrumbs of reality telling you that you're on the right path. So whenever I have deja vu or something, and I remember being here, 
I go, okay, I've, I've taken the right choices, right? Schrodinger's cat, is it alive or dead? I was like, you don't know until you open the box. So it's like, if I get deja vu, okay, I've been here. I took all the right steps to get here, right? I've already done this in some other life. I'm just echoing in space and time, right? And when I, I feel like putting out videos, putting out work and people are interacting with that, because I think that's the occult to the art, it charges that stuff up. You know what I mean? There's hundreds, thousands of people listening, sometimes millions of people listening to your work. That's got to do something, right? They're, 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 partake, they're taking of their energy and they're putting it into your work. And that kind of sort of becomes its own homunculus on its own. It starts to interact, right? And I think that something happens behind the scenes where you get like, I, I, me at least, I get like alchemically charged, man. I'll be having synchronicities, out, just weird stuff happen, just like weird and some people might just call them coincidences, but I don't think so. I think that there's something happening. I and I mean, right. There's definitely a, um, one thing you definitely learn doing magic, I suppose, is that you, you learn to distinguish between kind of um, sort of standard synchronicities and meaningful synchronicities, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And I, I mm -hmm. think Jung spoke about that as well, which is like, yeah. you can, if you look too deeply into everything and i think this happens with conspiracy thinking sometimes as well where people start to see like they'll literally Absolutely. look they'll look for certain things like i saw it the other day um you know that elon musk changed the twitter logo to the x now right? <laughs> yeah. and people were like cutting it half mirroring it and it looks like sort of like a masonic symbol so they're like ah he's doing it in plain sight and it's like well, yeah is it i mean it's reaching a bit but it's the same with synchronicities i think you kind of you know you have this kind of you can just tell, I think after a while, you can sort of tell the meaningful ones from the, mm -hmm. you know, the sort of, you know, the, the kind of less meaningful ones. But I think you're right. They, they're definitely this, these kind of breadcrumbs from the universe a little bit, I think. Yeah. So when it comes to all this, again, this is just part of the process of interpreting what you're reading. So you come across a concept like a homunculus and you go, okay. And that also has changed. So Right. You have some would some scholars would say, right, the more Taoism, Taoist homunculus, because there's also a version of the homunculus then where it's uh, right. These it's funny how history repeats itself. It's these men impregnating themselves with this with this immortal embryo. Right. This little this little golden man. So they, they abstain from sex. They do all these meditative rituals. They they do all these things to reverse the, this this light. Right, this force that's like, around them. Taoist kind of thing, isn't it? I think it's like the yeah, which Crowley was. Mm. Yes, which yeah. Crowley was into Taoism because the belief behind it was if right, if I'm able to to impregnate a woman with my seed, that's me putting it out in in the right out in the world. Hell, what happens if I keep it inside of me? You know, if if it's if it's all powerful outside of my body, I'm just gonna hoard it all here. Right. And you have people who do semen retention, all these different things. Oh, that that's where that comes from. But they took it a step further because they were like, OK, I'm going to reverse this light in on itself. I'm going to meditate for 100 days. And eventually I'm going to project outward this little golden being that's going to be it's going to be a culmination of the semen, the light, everything crystallizing in on itself. And it's going to take a consciousness of its own and it's going to exist in reality for me so I can escape some sorrow. So they take right they, that that's the the one of the proto homunculus because the word homunculus doesn't come into existence until the 16th century, but that's like a proto right the little golden man where you have these Taoists and then it, it, again it, it's very bizarre because these religions they morph into other really other crazy religions like I've been studying the Shugendo tribe and 
and Sokushunbutsu where they mummify themselves. So again, they go from wondering what the the limits of the human body, right? What it can do to then quite literally mummifying yourself, right? Can you imagine that process and what that would take, right? The, the amount of discipline that that would take. So you have people, this is documented. So you can go visit these monks that have mummified. This is not the occult. This is actual practice stuff. Okay. Cause when I tell you about the homunculus, I can't show you a homunculus, right? I mean, it depends on what your interpretation of homunculus is, but you can go visit these guys, right? You can, they're in shrines being worshiped right now. So when it, go, it goes from that, and then there's the, the mountain worshiping religions. Cause if, if you take into account Crowley wasn't to Taoism, he was a mountaineer. Well, that stems from the same religions that were climbing mountains to attain magical powers. The Shugendo tribe were a mountain worshiping religion and if you think about like why Crowley and all a lot of wealthy people they like to climb mountains, or take that into into account. Like, well, were they was he obsessed with that because he wanted to obtain magical powers and become shapeshift? It's really bizarre. And these are things in history that when you read about, you go, what's well, what's up with that? <laughs> you know what, I mean? like, what is happening? And the weird thing, the thing that always bugs me is that all this stuff's been out there for a long time, but why are we? Like, why are we now all talking about it? Like, what, what, what was stopping us talking about it before? It's probably the church, <laughs> or you know, the, the whichever insert Abrahamic religion, you know, country yeah. you live in, sort of thing. But it's the thing that's always kind of bugged me is why? Why are they so obsessed with with kind of withholding that kind of information? And why, why does it threaten them so much? If 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 they're um, you know the monotheistic religion so all powerful <laughs> and their gods. Um, super powerful why are they so scared of these occultists or this occult knowledge like you know for me that's always been a a bit of a bugbear probably because in my in my opinion i think that they know they're probably tapping into that same because and this is something that that i think about all the time too and i just finished an episode with a buddy of mine where we got into references of alchemy in the bible and i'm actually translating right now so it was popular to do commentaries because they've referred to the book of Genesis as one of the most alchemical books ever to be. And it's supposedly showing the magnum opus and how to be done. And I'm translating this, this commentary on the book of Genesis from an alchemist and what it meant to them right now. It's about 30 pages. And I think it's from the 17th century. So it's going to be really interesting to read from their point. I haven't been able to find a translation, so I'll, I'll, it'll probably be the first translation about the creation of the world in the book of you know Genesis 1 and 2 and what it is, what it means alchemically. So from an alchemical perspective. And it's really interesting because if you think about right, the 1611 King James Version of the Bible and perhaps how maybe there was hidden ciphers within that. And you have the Baconian theory and all these different things mixed intermingling there. And then his contemporaries, right? John D, all these other guys that were like, okay, well, did they have a hand in occulting perhaps secrets in this book that has quite literally transformed, again, this interdimensional literature that resonates throughout all of history, right? One of the, was it the King James is one of the most sold books to ever exist? I mean, think about that. That's got, again, back to this, creating content people are are interacting with it that causes synchronicities well think about a book from the 17th century people are worshiping what's being said in that book 
again, the initiate sees one thing, the uninitiated sees another. Now, when you start talking about that, that's blasphemy. You can't, right? You can, no, you, what? No, this is, this is came from the word of God, right? Well, it was divinely inspired, was it not? I mean, uh, any, any major religion is divinely inspired. And I think that maybe they, I, I lived it. I mean, right. You have the first, one of the first alchemists, Zosimos of Panopolis, writing about the book of Enoch. And if you trace back the biblical origins of alchemy, it comes from the fallen angels, or as Grant likes to call them, the aliens, right? So is this technology that was handed to us of non-human origin, which that's a really popular topic right now, but what's going on there, right? So you have this sort of thing where you're able to tap into other dimensions and manipulate reality. And if you follow the origins, Right. And then the book of Enoch is non-canon, at least in, in the canon that I know. It's canon in some other churches. But what were they occulting there? And the story of Enoch itself, where at the end of it all, right, who were the watchers? Well, to, the way I've learned that the watchers are, the watchers were watching, watching the divine alchemists that work create reality. And they passed that knowledge on to write to the daughters of men, et cetera, et cetera. But you have one of the first alchemists with the oldest piece of literature talking about the book of Enoch. Okay. So I think, and I, and I've ran into this to answer your question where if you start to look at opposing stories and start to look at extracurricular mythology or fan fiction, whatever you want to call it, it'll change your perspective. And it happened to me when I started to question, Hey, why is all the cool stuff left out of the, the Bible? What do you mean? Like the book of Enoch, this is crazy. Yeah. The gospel of people, Thomas people, and the Nag Hammadi, people, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. People would tell me, no, 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 don't read that. What do you mean? Yeah, and in, in fact, don't even read the Old Testament. Just chuck that whole thing. Out. What, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So that's that's those were my origins of this whole thing. Questioning my religion, and then reading about the Gospel of Judas, Gospel of Mary, right? All these different things. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is the opposite of whatever I've thought about. I'm going to hell in somebody else's religion, and vice versa. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, and I think that's part of that's part of the divide and the religious experience now in my opinion, is a brokered experience. Mm -hmm. You can't achieve divinity if not through us. We need power over that. So when you tell like the Gnostics, what happened to them? Well, they were wiped out. And what happens? What were they preaching? You can achieve divinity through, through you, right? Gnosis, whatever sacred to you, you can ascend by yourself. You don't need the, 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 the establishment. You can, yeah. yeah, the middleman. You know, hey, every week, give your tithings, right? Every single week, you know, and if you're a good little boy or girl, we'll save a seat up the, you know, we'll, we'll put in a good word for you. It's like, no, no, no. These people were the people who preached against that. They were wiped out. And it makes you wonder why they were wiped out. Cause again, they don't want people to understand that you can't right? you have turned my house into a, a den of thieves. Right. It's interesting. Where it's like, Hey, I've been, so then you, I've been reading like, um, like I was saying earlier, I've been reading kind of this, it's like pre-Islamic mythology and kind of um, look, trying to sort of look for the root of a lot of kind of magical thinking. And I came across the Sabians. Have you heard of them before? They're kind of like a... Yeah, like Babylonian times, I think. Yeah, sort of very, very old. But they had, um, yeah. I found this quote about them that kind of resonates with what you were just saying. It was like, uh, the Sabians say that Adam was born from uh, male and female, just like the rest of mankind. They honored him greatly. They said he had come from the moon that he was a prophet and apostle of the moon. And it's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> and then- um, From the moon, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, and then there's other quotes from people 
at the time of the Sabian saying that when they sort of bumped into the, the Sabians, there's this kind of like they were star worshippers. They were, you know, um, and, yeah. it, and it's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's, the further back you go, you, you start to think, hang on a minute. This is, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Grant's right. Yes, I read that last night where where he talked about how the fallen right azazel translates to or azazel translates to i forgot what number and then he relates that to something else again it's in the beyond the mob zone towards the beginning and yeah it's really interesting but that's how it started for me when you start to question it people start to not like that and and even with with like with academic works for example, Lynn Thorndike, where he did a paper on, I forgot what year he was, but he, he did like a bunch of encyclopedias and stuff. He was a researcher and a scholar. And he did a whole thing on the Liber Vacay, but he left out a lot of information from it because it went against his religious views. Mm, so it's not right. They were, <laughs> so, so, so think about that. The Liber Vacay is like this obscure piece of literature that was more secretive a lot of the copies are handwritten john d had two copies of it right so you had like and that would make sense he had the largest library in 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 europe at his time but he had two copies of it they were always handwritten that has nothing to do with the bible right so much and yet this scholar felt the need to uh, occult and omit certain things in it because he felt that it wasn't important because he felt it was too, I forgot what he said, he, he put it in a certain way, but, uh, and again, take religious scripture into account. So that this is an occult book that has really, you know, a small significance. Now take into account religious scripture that's gonna be in the church, that people are gonna be interacting with, that you're asserting a certain amount of control over somebody, you're gonna be a lot more pickier about that than you would this obscure, when I was doing the research for for mine unveiled, we were coming across texts that had talismans on the pages, right? So they had talismans on the pages, and they would be scratched away, defaced. And when you would look at the explanation as to why that was defaced or scratched away, because it was obviously it was obviously vandalized. Again, somebody who knows from the church at the time or another opposing faction or whoever, somebody superstitious enough to believe that that talisman had power went in there and they defaced it on purpose. It wasn't like, Oh, it got worn. No, no, no. It was scratched away because they believed that talisman had power. Now who did, who defaced it? We don't know. It could have been somebody from the church or somebody again, who was had the works that we don't know. But point being that people will go out of their way to deface things and occult things. Now, that's why it's kind of ridiculous if you think that you, this is why I don't believe in, in really, I think that we're all human. Okay. I think that we're all made the same. We all bleed the same, but then there's division. There's racial division. There's religious re division. There's so much division within our cell. Like, there's, there's only, only 44,000 denominations of Christianity. There's only 44. I'm sure that they got there. It's like, how are you, how are you supposed to find the truth? And there's division within that community. And that this can, this is for anything and everything. Okay. And not just for religious things, but 
you know, I posted a video this week that a lot of people, right? You had the, right, the usual YouTube common experts coming out the woodwork because they don't agree with my, what my guests interpretation had to do with, right, with this religious text. And I go, listen, dude, I mean, you people are even proving it there in yourselves, like what we're, what we're talking about, because it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. It's whatever it is to you. It doesn't matter what it is to somebody else. It's your gnosis, however you interpret it. Now, that's where the controversy comes in, because then you get into who's holier than thou and, and I'm better than you. Right? You get supremacy and all these different things. So it's like it, the, the waters get muddied real quick. And it's just, again, it's, it's such a, a, a weird place to be in. Right. I mean, especially, especially when it comes to all this occult stuff, too. The Christianity thing, in particular, like the even the Bible doesn't agree with itself. If you look at the, the the Old and New Testament, I mean, Satan is a classic example. So, like in the Old Testament, a Satan's a title. It's not a it's not a devil. It's like God. And so is Christ. If yeah. you want to get technical, yeah, it's like <laughs> God's persecutor is you know as, um, God sends a Satan down to test man, and then in the New New Testament, all of a sudden he's like this kind of you know this devil and. And then people's like interpretation of hell as well. It all comes from like fiction. It comes from Dante and and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. no wonder that people, especially Christians, are like so messed up in terms of you know. There's you know it's, like you say it's just it feels like to me like the Bible was built to be divisive almost. Like it was built to be misinterpreted and it's really um, it's a it's obviously a very powerful grimoire in some ways, but it's also it's also super confusing and mm-hmm. yeah. I mean that book has caused you know, it's, it's been great for some people, but it's caused a lot of shit for some other people. A lot of people have, a lot of people have, have been unalive because of that book and yeah, burned yeah. at the stake because of that book. And again, superstitious, superstition in general. But again, it goes back to that idea that we're talking about. Why do these ideas even exist to begin with? Right. Because when you talk about magic and you talk about alchemy and I talk about the homunculus, people are like, oh, you're crazy. In the Bible, Jesus turned water into wine. Moses parted the Red Sea like, you know, Lazarus was raised from the dead. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> he came back after three days. That's magic. That's alchemy. That's in your book. But no, no, no. It's not because it's it's for it's our our guys, the good guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah, that's yeah. that's another thing that these at least the Muslim alchemists, they were they would talk about that, about how to create a uh, good homunculus versus bad homunculus because the idea back then was and the, the reason that a lot of of right there was christian magic was because it was natural magic magia naturalis so it was stuff that god put in nature and therefore hey 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 if if i interact with a plus b and i get c it's okay because otherwise god wouldn't have put it on this earth for me to be able to mix these two things and get the the result that I got. As long as you didn't tap into astral forces from the other side, i.e. demons or whatever, daemons, whatever you want to call them, right? Uh, Jinn, whatever. As long as I didn't do that and I just did it myself, it's okay, right? So you have that. And what a way, and again, I have it here. So you have uh, Elias Ashmole, right? And I brought this up because he talks about, right, the alchemical origins of, of how these all these biblical patriarchs were able to live for so long because they had access to the philosopher's stone and in it i mean he he goes right on and says it 
here in his intro where he goes, let me find it here real quick. He talks about how, hey, right here, EA, Elias Ashmore, assures you in not any ways necromantical or devilish, but easy, wondrous, easy, natural, and honest. So this is coming from, from a guy who right, was religious in his point in time. And this is how these guys, right? This is the Chemicum, uh, Theatrum Chemicum Britannicum, and it's a work of, of various alchemical uh, uh, literature that he put together. And a guy who studied alchemy, was a student of alchemy, he's like, hey, hey, it's not devilish. I'm not tapping into any extracurricular forces to get this outcome. Therefore, it's okay. It's honest. It's pure because it comes from nature. Now, some scholars have argued that the homunculus is a sort of artificial demon, right? And then you had in the 15th century stories about the Arnaldian homunculus where there was this alchemist, again, a theologian, part of the church, a church doctor, I believe he was, where he was creating homunculus and he would destroy them as soon as they would come alive because they're like, hey, I don't know if God died for that homunculus' sins. Like, who died for that? Does a homunculus even have a soul? Like, who, who, who determines that? What happens then? And again, I mean, you know, these were guys in the church, so they, they were thinking of and they were asking these questions. So the ethics of creating a homunculus come into play. And again, it's very weird if it is symbolic. Okay, if, if, it, if it is something that, that was symbolic and it was just nothing more than a figment of your imagination, why do you care about the ethics of it? And again, as of recently, you had this guy named David Magnus and Albertus Magnus was, right, he was, it goes down in history as creating a homunculus. And this David Magnus guy is part of the ethics department or something with these new artificial embryos that are being made. And this came out last month, right? So you have almost a sort of alchemical creation. Now they don't even need the seed of man or woman. They just grow it in a lab nowadays. And, and, and it's so funny that... I mean, AI is uh, kind of a homunculus in some ways, isn't it? It's a golem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a point, actually. We should talk about that because I think a lot of people, when I've looked it up online, homunculus, they seem to kind of mix it up with cryptids and like chimera and that kind of thing. But they, they're, they're separate things. Could you talk a little bit about that kind of separation? What the golem and homunculus and and things like cryptids and like um you know like chimeras people seem to feel that they're the same thing a lot of the time whereas mm -hmm. to me they feel kind of different but maybe so, connected but different the term that you used at the beginning i forgot how to say it. it's the it's the it's not an actual homunculus the artificial creation of life right from from the muslim alchemists at the time and Attack essentially Taquin? What was that? Taquin? Ta Taquin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's artificial creation of life. Okay. Al again, you can insert alchemically or not, but again, alchemically. And there's the reason that people associate them is because, again, back to this idea of rational and irrational animals, because the alchemists, they were like, okay, so if I'm making this homunculus, which means little man, right, or, 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 or miniature man, what happens if I start to mix in? animal semen right and mix it with in the womb of a cow what do i get then and then you have these bizarre creations back to grant he talked about the typhonian teratomas where it was these creatures that were experiments of again the fallen angels 
or the watchers or the aliens, whatever you want to refer to them as. But it was weird because he talks about them and that they exist in right this universe B. And sometimes they bleed through into our reality. Again, very, very stranger things as where the portals in the tree. Well, that happens to be right. The universe, universe B is on the opposite side of the tree. So just, again, what's Hollywood trying to tell us there? But pe people relate them because these alchemists, according to Paracelsian principles, right? He said that sometimes these homunculus that you would set into the wild and, and let them grow, grow old, they would become mythical creatures as well. So there's this mythological cryptid lore to it. And it's funny because one of my guilty pleasures is cryptids. And when you start to really put things together as to write the, the occult meanings or esoteric meanings of the dog, right? The role that dogs have played in the occult is a very, it's a very specific one. The dog is associated with Satan, right? And, Mephistopheles. Of, Hecate. Hecate. Yeah, you have all these different things. Uh, is it Siberius, I think it is, the, the three-headed dog, whatever. I'm, I'm rusty on that mythology. But it's always been associated with Satan or the devil. And I've also heard it put that damn souls are reincarnated as dogs. Souls that have had a violent death are reincarnated as dogs. Okay, so you have the lure of the, 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 the dog man. Okay, so you take that, right, dog backwards, back to Grant, <laughs> dog backwards is God, right? And he talks about that. And one of the things that really blew my mind one time when I was reading the, the Dark Side of Eden, well, Night Side of Eden, was that he attributed and connected the crossing of the abyss ritual with the magical lycanthrope. Where it's people who have failed that their their failed attempts get tossed into the abyss by the cynosyphilis, right? Or this dog-headed ape looking thing. Dog-headed ape, Bigfoot, dog man, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have that connection <laughs> there. And they get tossed into the abyss. And then he has a little footnote again, Grant, uh often attributed to the magical lycanthrope and and similar phenomenon. And I'm like, wait a minute, what in the world? So you have these connections where you go, okay, maybe not all of it, but maybe some of these cryptids are part of like these occult rituals. And maybe they are, but not all of them, not all of them, some of them, because why? Because it's a sort of technology. It is another world that exists that we're able to tap into. And sometimes it bleeds into our own. So at the end of the day, you have these alchemists that, Right. And the reason people relate them is because it's all about the artificial creation of the life that is linked to what that's linked to God, because what God, what God giveth, God taketh. So essentially what it really is, it's about becoming a living God. Right. Because that's what everybody wants, in my opinion. Right. Everybody wants what power, money, right? but power. And what a better way than be, what do all the villains in all these stories? Right. They 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 get more power that's beyond their control. And, and right, the good guy, right, Thanos, we can literally snap you out of existence. Well, he's a God. Nobody can stop him. Everyone dies trying to stop him. Right. And I think this is what these alchemists were achieving. And then you had, right, you had various versions, you had the homunculus, the golem, chimeras. What are they, what do they all share? They're all artificially create, created life. Now they each have, they all, they all serve their own purposes. Okay. The, the homunculus, 
you dissect it and use its various parts for magical purposes. Okay. Depending on what you're trying to do, you can become invisible and pervious to pain. You can, you can do stuff with, you know, you bury it and you can grow a tree quicker. You can do a whole bunch of really bizarre things with it. You can talk and see spirits, demons, etc. And then the golem is more of a cybernetic AI that it's programmed to do one thing and one thing only. Hence the golem of Prague, 16th century uh, Rabbi Judah Ilo, where he used it to protect the ghettos. And it's the typical Frankenstein story. Again, artificially create the life and it runs and it gets out of control, right? And it starts to unalive everyone that you've ever known and loved, right? And, and, and Frankenstein is a weird one because the monster becomes philosophical and follows him around and goes, I'm going to end anybody you've ever loved. I'm going to take them away from you, right? He learns how to speak. and all. So it's more of a different type. But then that story, allegedly, the origins of that story is from Mary Shelley and Percy. They were allegedly obsessed with alchemical manuscripts and books. So supposedly that's been debunked, but who knows? I mean, it's, it's stories that have, again, back to that Moonchild reference where they use this literature to tell stories based on true events okay so yeah i mean credit did that a lot i mean the book of lies is another good example of that where it's kind of poems but there's sex magic stuff in there that you know that's it's real like, it's like you were saying like if you know how to look it's there kind of thing it's uh you know for the initiated kind of thing it's uh it's interesting but one thing i heard i think i heard you talking about this um what's this thing with china and a shipment of dog dicks <laughs> That was, uh, yeah, the, it was donk, donkey dicks. And oh, donkey dicks, that's it, yeah. The, again, this is just me thinking outside the box. I, I think that the homunculus has, so you, you mentioned about how Crowley changed the, the magical operations, right? And even the Golden Dawn took the Enochian system of John D. and Edward Kelly and, and changed it because, right, Enochian is a very powerful system. And... Similar again, the, the homunculus technology, Crowley in the in the 20th century also had switched it around, right? He was doing his own version of the moon child. You have Marjorie Cameron, you had Babylon, the Babylon working, which was also Parsons' interpretation of instructions from Crowley. Okay. So he was taking Crowley's work and interpreting himself to bring forth this element, incarnate this elemental, right? Crowley didn't like were, it either. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that it's it's today we we do have homunculus today. Now, the I don't know if you remember Ukraine had the super soldiers for a while. I know that was a thing where there was like reports of soldiers that were like Captain America kind of where they weren't even they were being they they couldn't be on alive for whatever reason. So I was like, oh, that's weird. Well, then there was that shipment that was being in, that was intercepted with the donkey penises, and the reason that's significant is because. In the Liber Vecae, people say it's a mistranslation. There's various translations of it, but there's a part of it, very bizarre, where it talks about you have to beat the carcass of a cow to a pulp with the penis of a dog. So the, the largest dog penis you can find, and that's I think that's what really solidified the homunculus in my in my like research, because again, I, I like to have fun. I like to mix comedy into all this, all these dark topics. And 
if you just think of that visual, right, <laughs> beating a cow carcass with not just any dog penis, but the largest dog penis that you can find, that's pretty funny. Uh, you know, what I mean? like that, that, that's pretty out there. So I attribute, I go, well, maybe, right? They were interested. There, apparently there's a whole market for exotic animal penises out there, by the way. It's not just donkeys. So I go, okay, that's a weird thing to have, right? And people think it's for fertility. Maybe that's what they're, that's the exoteric. But you don't know what these dudes are doing behind closed doors, right? Maybe they are trying to create homunculi and and create super soldiers behind alchemically, right? And they, they're still sticking with the old tech where they're just beating the cow carcass with the dog dick or a donkey dick. Cause again, they found that the donkey dick was better for whatever reason. And they're making their homunculus. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just reading these texts and interpreting them the best way I can. I, I don't claim to be an expert and, but apparently I'm, I'm one of the few that has really, taken the subject and and looked at it from other and i'm again i'm drawing from other great researchers scholars which are probably uh really uh probably they're probably seeing my work pop up and they go they're probably shaking their heads at it like this (laughs) this degenerate you know it's interesting what you say that i we were talking about this in the last episode actually the um when the kind of government governments kind of cross into a cult subjects and you know accidentally slips out every now and then like cia with the gateway experience and the russian government with the kozarev mirrors and all this kind of stuff it's that's sort of that's where stuff gets sort of super interesting to me because it almost legitimizes you you, you were saying earlier about like you know is any of this real but you know if these people are spending all this money you know big governments are spending lots of money testing this stuff out then they must think there's something in it it's a- yeah, and it, that that's the aspect of it. Of if if cloning is impossible, then why is it banned in over seventy countries? Right? If that's in that science fiction, then why'd you ban it if it's impossible? Right? So, and that's the thing, dude. Like when it comes to even conspiracy thought, and a lot of these. So you mentioned earlier, people look for conspiracy and everything. Well, it doesn't help when you have these elites playing right into right. You have. Biden talking about the new world order, bro, you know, that's like the pap, you know, what is it? Paplov's dog where when they ring the bell, the dog, you know, the conspiracy theorists are waiting for you to drop that word. And here you are, whoever wrote your freaking speech, put that in there. Maybe right. As a, as a little nod to, to everyone watching, like, Hey, (laughs) again, a troll, the new, we're going to create a new world order. Like, Oh, people lost their minds over that. You know what I'm saying? So to see Alex Jones, face going bright red. (laughs) So, and then, and then that's the other thing, like stuff starts to come out that solidify. And I think that's part of the system. I think that, things start to be revealed that were conspiracy theory, but then they're actually real. That also solidifies all these crazy ideologies and all these different, because again, I'll, and I'll be honest, sometimes looking into, and I don't know if you can relate, but looking into the occult, looking into these, these theories, looking into all, it can put you in, in a negative state of mind, right? It can do something to your psyche. It can do, and I've talked about this before, where a lot of these occultists, drove themselves insane, in my opinion. Some people would disagree, but look at all of Crowley's wives. Who knows if he offered up their their uh, mentality to these things on the other side. And I think that uh, he offered up humanity as a sort of sacrifice and, and the chorns on 
working with Victor that he did where he was possessed, right? Trying to cross the aethers. I think that because right after that, you had World War One, the Great Depression, World War Two, like all these different things happen right back to back to back. And then 1947, they had the new UFO age coming for show. Who knows if, and I don't know if you've, if you've uh, watched my, the Crowley connection at CERN where, right. You have, how you're saying these government and private corporation, government entities, whatever, kind of sort of using technology as a sort of occult device. And then, right. What is there a lot of at CERN? Well, there's a lot of magnets. Well, the magnet is the magician's, choice of stone okay right the ape the ape you know from kenneth grant the divine ape the ape is looked at differently because it's not man nor beast it exists in this in between right like and you had galen liminal species i think they call them egg, 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 liminal, exactly which in between then you have you had Galen, who wouldn't do dissections on or autopsies on apes because he felt felt too human. So, right, you, you take that aspect and you apply that alchemically, right? What if they are right, the the one of the newest Frankenstein movies? The the thing was like half ape, half man, or something, right? So it's like you watch subtly where sometimes these these homunculi will pop their heads up in, in Hollywood or even in, in real life sometimes. And yeah, I don't know, but I think that a, a lot of times this stuff is really coming forth now, especially. I don't know if you saw the newest movie, They Clone Tyrone on Netflix. No, I haven't seen that yet. Watch that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Watch that because that get because again, cloning is again, I, I believe alchemical, right? The 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 babies in in what do they call it? Test tube babies. That's also again alchemical and Again, you look at all of Hollywood, a lot of surrogate births, a lot of, a lot of different ideas. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just pointing out, I'm not calling them conspiracy theories anymore. I'm just calling them coincidences. And I point them out and I let people come up with whatever ideas that they want from the ideas being presented. So, Would you say corporations are homunculus in a way? According to the, according to the etymology of the word corporation, that's what it says. Artificially created persons by a group of people. That that's that's I'm not making that. That's what the etymology of the word says. Now, if you take that and consider it, how I mentioned earlier, magical systems and concepts change throughout time. Another version of a homunculus is a thought form, a tulpa, right? You have th those different uh, interpretations of it, like an, an astral assistant. If you create a mind palace, you can get a homunculus or or a servant to help you clean up sometimes for you, right? So you have this idea. The Marsilio Ficino talked about how buildings for these architects back then were homunculus. He called them the homunculus, the actual buildings themselves. The buildings were alive to them back then. And they would, he explained that the way that the manifestation of the building came into existence was it was right in the ether. It would be, the mind of the architect would be impregnated. It was a fetus in the mind. Then it would be manifested into a model. And the last manifestation would be the actual, the actual building itself. And these architects were the demiurges of these buildings. And he referred to them as homunculus because they had art, you know, artificially created them in some sort of weird alchemical magical way. And that, and 
Facino was, again, a Neoplatonist, so he was thinking of it from that point of view, which the Neoplatonists paved the way for right, the Christians. I mean, that, that that's just the way. Right? Platonism paved the way for, for Christianity and, and a lot of other, uh, other religions, if you follow mainstream history, which a lot of people talk about that also being some sort of fabrication and but buildings are you know super important for occultists as well in certain rituals mm -hmm. i mean the abramelon ritual for example you have to you know you're meant to at least have a specific building in a you know with a room facing a specific way and it's basically like a super elitist ritual that only kind of rich people can afford <laughs> to actually do yeah. properly it's it's uh but again it's like this kind of architectural magic isn't there involved in that there's like kind of structural you know and it, it kind of you could say that it happens with like all magical ritual in some ways you know the the way you place the altar you know the positions mm -hmm. of things it's all kind of like a you know quite important when it comes to this kind yeah, it's of very yeah it, no it's very important i mean that that's that that's what some people fail to recognize and i've talked about pythagorean palaces before where if you if you use a building to elevate the consciousness within that building well you can invert that principle too you can Right, suppress consciousness within a building. So think about why they want to put people in 15-minute cities again, maybe to oppress their consciousness, suppress their 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 magical, but whatever it is. I mean, Washington is set out a certain type of way, not just because, right? It's got its own layout. Yale is where it's at because of a certain alignment. To, you know, all these different. And if you look at the influence of the people in these areas it's not just a little bit it's like they were you know influential to uh right yale yale has uh, like all the cool artifacts right the voynich manuscript and all these different uh different books right books uh, that are there and it's like why are they there i believe in my opinion that they're there for a reason and it's to resonate on a certain level of reality and then they take this and they spread it out throughout the entire world and yeah i mean uh, that's one of the things that people fail to realize that Right. When somebody calls their building, their pet building, it's like, is it alive? And from what I've read, I've come across works where, right, you have the occulted scaffolding. So certain, certain occultists can, can quite literally open places that would be occulted to the regular, but the, right. The way that, that they put it in the book is the initiates know where these hidden corridors are almost like what Harry Potter, when they go through the wall and they go through the other right to the train or whatever it is. Well, maybe it's like maybe it's maybe it's like that. Maybe it's not. But again, this occulted scaffolding. And if you apply that concept to everything else, so the the, the movie that you're watching, the occulted scaffolding that was behind the scenes creating that movie, what was the intent of that? Right. And then the final product. You can't see the occulted scaffolding because it's been removed, but just know that it's always existence that it's always existing there and that's that's what influences the the final product not the actual thing itself but what's be going on behind the scenes have you ever looked into nicholas rorick before yeah i've heard of him through i think it was manly p hall also yeah he it's the the inner earth right he went yeah, through, shambhala through, through the, he was, was his thing yeah. and um he was given this allegedly given this stone i've forgotten the um the name of it now it begins with a c Oh damn! I've got my notes here. Interesting. Uh, da, 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 da. No, I thought I might have had it on my notes here, but no. But um, I'll send you some links to it because I'll be interested to see what you you make of it. Um, I, there's actually a documentary um, about it that I found on on YouTube, but there's a load of um, you know websites and stuff as well. But he mm. seemed to be in, um, 
possession of this sort of stone that it kind of seems very alchemical. I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll send you the link to that one. But uh, so, what does what would you say like the modern alchemist looks like? Because you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's one of those strange sort of subgroups almost of the occult, isn't it? The the alchemist community, as it were. Um, so if I, if I had to take a wild guess, people like you and I, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're alchemists, right? We're, we're diving into these topics and, and spreading these ideas, but also back to quote Manly P. Hall, he says that the, that the modern alchemist moves away from his cave and he's put in a, in a building with four walls, right? And maybe perhaps a white lab coat on, right? Who knows? I mean, but I think that those are the modern alchemists and similar to what Right. Are you you your motivations and, and my motivations, whatever those are, I think that's what changes. I think that's what depends back to this idea of right, it's a technology that we can tap into and what we use it for is what because if you think of everything that's created now, right? You have artificial flavors, well that's alchemy. You have artificial fragrances, well that's alchemy. You have all the that that stems from the, the spagyric art, right? Medicines and all these different things stem from that. So extrapolate that outwards. And look at all these different fields that have to do with that, right? And, and the medicine and all these, use your imagination, right? Uh, you know, things that they make you take that some people don't want to take and all these different things and, and why that is, right? So maybe they're practicing a different type of alchemy versus the other people who are trying to, I don't know, right? Us right here talking on this podcast to try and spread some of the truth and deal cult these concepts to different people who otherwise either can't do the, the research or don't want to or whatever it is. Right. And I think that's where your alchemist will be at. Right. If, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so one thing we haven't like looked at yet is like how throughout time, kind of the creation of homunculi happens, you know, the physical creation, like, because there's different, it's like the, the uh, Liber Vecce, whether it, that, that's got like a, the thing with the bull, wasn't it? Or the, the cow. And then you've got, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's, one uh, could you talk a little bit about kind of some of the different methods that you've seen of, of creating them <laughs> so i actually have a homunculus owner's manual <laughs> and it's it's a comic a little That's i think awesome. they call it chick tra chick track or something like that where it's a, it's an entire the entire history of it and i've seen it so the the interpretation of the homunculus like, as, a, as a physical being can be traced back, I think, to the, I mean, if you want to go back to the Taoist, but the actual, let's go to the, the Liber Vica was 9th century. And mind you, again, the word homunculus wasn't used. It was either, I've seen it use rational animal. I've seen it put the child. I've seen it put the form. I've seen it put the substance. So it's got different names. But when you start to peel it apart, you go, okay, they're referring to a homunculus up into the 16th century. Now, the different ways of creating it, you again, it depends on what you're trying to make. So the, the typical homunculus, if, if we want to quote Paracelsus, the 16th century, was you take a vessel, which is the matrix, and then you take the seed of the man, you put that in there, and then you put it in the dung of cow or horse, right? And you let it sit there for 40 days, and supposedly out of that comes this this transparent little thing, right? And then you're supposed to feed it the, you're supposed to feed it blood. Uh, sometimes there's uh, talks that you have to feed it some, a little bit of crushed philosopher's stone in there too, in order for it to, because it's going to be very hungry. And then after that, you can, you can 
you can do whatever you want. It can be your best friend. You can use it for your magical operation operation. It'll divinate to you. But then you also have the there's other forms of homunculus where you don't need to alchemically create one. There's also the the more of the opening of the mouth ceremony, if you will, where they you have an object. Right. The 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 most the homunculus that everyone and, and I can speak about this when it comes to everyone that everyone has been exposed to, at least in Hollywood, is the voodoo doll, which has nothing to do with voodoo, but it's a simulacra of a man, right? And it's sympathetic, magically linked to whoever is on the other side, right? And whatever you do to that little voodoo or the little homunculus, either out of clay or wood or straw, whatever it is, affects the other person on the other side, right? So that's the homunculus that everyone has been exposed to. So again, you can have... Uh, a statue, right? So if you think of the concept of Baphomet, right? To the Knights Templar and all these different things, Baphomet was a sort of homunculus too, because they were, right? Was the head of whoever, of a prophet, whatever. And it was divinating to said uh, Templars, right? Well, you needed to invoke, right? In a theurgical fashion, right? Ask for this thing in the ether to come down and animate it for you. Okay, so that's a form of homunculus as well. So it's not just a little alchemical man. There's various forms of it. And like I said, even a thought form, as, as simple as a thought form that you can, right, actually create can come in and, and be your homunculus. So it's not just like the, right, those various ways of doing that. And again, how you go about that would depend on your magical system that you're using. So have you heard again, of the, the Fraternitas Saturni before, the Brotherhood of Saturn? I have heard about that. I don't know anything about them, but I have seen them come up before in, in my research. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they were big into egregores at one point. Um, mm, egr egregores is another one, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, yeah. Um, famously, they created, um, they sort of created an egregore and then uh, made a, a sort of statue of its head. There's a good book, it's called The Fraternitas Attorney by Stephen Flowers, and the actual cover of the book is this egregore, and they've actually like rendered it into clay, and it's really, <laughs> it's like full on kind of. It's like that Archive 88 show, I think it was, or Archive okay, whatever. one, yeah, yeah. 81, yeah, yeah, like that, right, where they were worshipping this, you know, spoiler alert, worshipping like a statue or whatever. I mean, again, similar, similar comps. So, so you don't have to go as far as beating the cow. You know, if, you, if, if you're limited on dog dicks, right, and big dog dicks at that, then you can, you can employ other methods to create your homunculus and have it do whatever. It, and, and again, that's why it's so fascinating because it can be, that's why I said earlier, alchemy is like whatever you want it to be. It can be physical it can be biological it can be psychological it can be metaphysical like whatever you want it to be it's there and some and the more i peer down this this rabbit hole the more i don't know what it is because it keeps morphing into something else and i'm like okay and right when i think i have it like grasped down and go okay now this makes a lot of sense it'll just change right then and there and i'm like oh damn you know now it's something else i can't I can't really interpret what I'm looking at, right? It's like the, you can stare into the abyss and the, the abyss will start to stare back into you. Mm. I have to know, man, what do you think about these plane videos that keep turning up? The, the you know, the, this guy, this, that motherfucker's not real woman. And the, uh, there's, there's been three, <laughs> I think so far now, isn't there? There's, the, there's her, there's the British guy who freaks out. And then there's a recent one in China as well with the guy that, He's, he's saying some weird shit as well. There's like a translation of it uh, where he's talking about like 
inner earth stuff or like hollow earth and he's just going absolutely mad on this plane but yeah there's like three and they all seem to be happening pretty close to each other which is a bit strange or, but. or does it does it seem like that i mean mm. that, that, that that's the that's the powerful part of the media that it, it, it seems like the that's happening i remember when the train train derailments were a common phenomenon right or an uncommon phenomenon because until everybody was was put onto it and what i i did a video that went viral and it went viral on YouTube. It went viral on Instagram and Facebook. And it was about that lady. And in it, I'm talking about how for some people, the veil starts to thin down real time and they start to peek on this other side. Because one of the things that's always interested me is, is the story of John D and Edward Kelly. And it's such a fascinating story with so many parts to it. But this, right, we're talking about the collective consciousness. We're talking about potentially things not being real or maybe they are real, right? And it just depends on who's, uh, you know, taking the perspective to look at it. And Angela Voss, which is esotericist, she wrote a, a story. It's it's this article or this journal, I forget what it is, by Taikuchi Dai, where he talks about, again, this mundus imaginalis reality, which is this intermediate world between the real and the unreal like the abyss right that you're able that exists autonomously it's there by itself and it comes from the imagination right and it, it, he, he the way he puts it it gushes forth from the imagination now is everyone tapping in and and contributing to this mundus imaginalis or is it just your individual mundus imaginalis? and that's why some people see it from them and maybe you can't see it as they're seeing it right who knows but Angela Voss talks about how one of the technologies in order to access this mindless imaginalis, similar to what John D. and Edward Kelly were doing, where they were scrying. That's what Crowley did too, to look into the aether, the other dimensions, if you will. Well, we're all scrying all at the same time. So what if we're all contributing to our right mundus, right? We're all collectively tapping into this mundus imaginalis and letting things through. You know, to, piggy, to piggyback off Grant and letting things happen, come into our existence, right? And that's why we have the dogmen and, and the cryptids and the, the mothman and all these different alchemical chimera looking things where it's like, what's really happening? And I think that we're all collectively tapping into that by the use of, we're all scrying all day long. What does that do to the Mundus Imaginalis? And how does that affect it? And is that activating it? I mean, who knows? Because, right, similar to what, I keep talking about Grant because I, I was reading, I've been reading his, his book for the last week. <laughs> yeah, 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 the exactly the mm -hmm. the the and the the state of sleep, right? Where we he talks to you, like you were there, but when you wake up, were you were you really there? Like were you where your body was at when you were having that dream? And I don't know about you, but the, sometimes I'll have dreams where it's like. I wonder if the person in my dream, which is somebody, you know, usually it's somebody that I know in real life. I often wonder if that person is also interacting with me because the dream felt so vivid, right? The, the dream felt so real. I go, is, did that person interact with me in their dream? You know, where the, when, what is that when your ear, when your ear rings, is somebody, somebody's talking about you like, Oh, like my ear itches or whatever it is. It's like, somebody's talking about you. It's like, well, did they see me in this other realm? This, this, uh, altered state of consciousness because when you 
when we go to sleep and we wake up, we think we're the same person. Are you the same person? Are we in the same reality? Like, we don't know. It's like so many things that, of, of I think that the truth is stranger than fiction. There are still things that we don't even understand about our reality that need to be looked into. Or perhaps, bro, it could all be bullshit. None of it is real. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to end it, man. Where's your, uh, yeah. uh, where can people find you online? So I'm on any major podcast platforms, the Juan Juan podcast, any major social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, at the Juan Juan podcast. And my website is tjojp.com. And you can get a copy of the homunculus owner's manual. It'll teach you how to take care of your homunculus. No homunculus guaranteed if you follow the instructions in here. There's some missing parts. And I have a comic book and I have uh, uh, also I, I publish some zines and some other stuff. You can find that all on tjojp.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, man. I've really enjoyed this. It's uh, We'll have to have you back on again, definitely. Yeah, dude, this is really fun. Thank you for inviting me, man. Thank you.